0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, o Lord. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to know what people believe, then just listen to how they pray. For us as Roman Catholics, public prayer, the liturgy of the church, is the most important prayer. And the most important liturgy is, of course, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Because the Eucharist is what makes us a church. The Eucharist is what makes us a community. So, why are we here? Why do we gather today as a community? What, what, what does it mean to celebrate this solemnity of all saints? You know, it's common for Catholics to assume that, that we are here to remember all the canonized saints, maybe thinking of call, calling to mind our, our, our favorite saints. And I know and and I'm pleased to say the parish invited some young people to dress as their favorite saints, and they're here, and they look look great, and we are impressed and very proud of you. But we also must remember that on this special day, the church doesn't just remember the canonized saints. The church celebrates primarily all the unknown saints who who are now in heaven, because anybody in heaven is a saint. We have the canonized saints, those whose examples are known, those who are elevated by the church, and canonized in a you know, special, special uh, ritual. But the point is, anybody in heaven is a saint. And sanctity, holiness, is within everyone's reach. Through the grace of God, and through the prayers of, of the entire communion of saints, known and unknown, each part of the, of the body of Christ, each member of the body of Christ, helps every other member to grow in holiness. Now, in the, in the history of the church, this idea of this universal call to holiness—it's it's rather new. Uh, but before the Second Vatican Council, this was not intended. Really, it kind of was, but it, it was just more of a cultural thing. The, the impression the church gave before Vatican II was that holiness is for the clergy and religious. If you want to grow if you want to answer a call to holiness, become become a religious or or a priest, and if everyone else should get married. As if single people or uh, single people and, and, and married people could not be equally as holy. And part of the council's mission was to counter this, to, to, to fill it out, to to include all the people of God, and say, you know, a- anyone can be a saint. Anyone can answer this call to holiness. You know, I'm not better than you. I'm different than you. I'm different than you, but I'm not better than you. I'm apart from you to serve you, but I'm not above you as if I'm better than you. That's important. Otherwise the readings today don't make much sense because the readings remind us of this universal call to holiness. In St. John's vision of the end times, the the evangelist sees a vision of a great multitude which no one could count from every nation, race, people, and tongue. They stood before the throne and before the Lamb wearing white robes and holding palm branches. He's not seeing just the clergy, (laughs) he's seeing everyone. I mean, first God chose the Jews, then God the Father sent his Son into the world to choose everyone. Not just some people from some nations, not just the canonized, as I said, not just the clergy, but all people. Of course, this choosing takes place most obviously through the sacrament of baptism. Baptism being our Christian birthday. I always tell families, when I've, especially with, with kids, you know, remember this date, Hang on to the white outfit, the candle, because this is, these are signs of your child's Christian birthday. I mean, how else can we be, as St. John says, he says, see what love the Father has bestowed on us, that we may be called the children of God. I mean, there's only one son of God, but all, all of us, because of our baptism, are adopted through the waters of baptism. We are adopted children of God. We are God's children now. As Roman Catholic Christians, we don't believe that a person once saved is always saved. We have to live our entire lives. We can't make an altar call on a Tuesday afternoon and then be presumptuous about the rest of our lives. So our universal call to holiness, it's not just one call, it's a daily call to conversion of heart. Yes, God chose us. Yes, we were adopted through baptism in Christ. Yes, the Lord wants us with him in heaven forever but we still must choose him every day. We can't assume. And while we're only baptized once, we we must choose the Lord over and over again. That's why we need the grace of God. That's why we need the example and prayers of all the saints. To choose Jesus every day, to give him our hearts every day, it's difficult. It is at the very heart of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. Which brings me to our gospel today famous Beatitudes of our Lord. In our gospel today, Jesus is describing what it costs to be a disciple, but at the same time the blessings we receive on this journey of faith, saying yes to Jesus. This gospel reminds us how much we depend on the grace of God, how much we depend on the prayers of all the saints to answer this call to holiness. Jesus promises, blessed are the poor in spirit. What does he mean? Well, it can include people who are literally poor, who don't have enough money, don't have enough to eat, don't have somewhere to live. But more, more importantly and more broadly, the poor in spirit are those who depend completely on God, not on their own strength, their own wits, their own wherewithal. The total childlike dependence on God, the way a child depends on his parents, that's poverty of spirit. Blessed are they who mourn. Jesus wept, he mourned, he had feelings like us and always except sin. He felt deeply. We participate in the suffering of Jesus when we follow Jesus in our lives, especially in the disappointments and the misunderstandings of life. Not, not necessarily only the big, more obvious, mournful moments, but that day to day ache of, of missing, of being misunderstood, of being, of being disappointed. Blessed are you. When they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me, rejoice and be glad. That's hard. When we truly say yes to Jesus, we contradict the world. We become a challenge to people in power, people with influence, people with, with deep, deep support and a lot of confidence. Confidence that the world gives. It's not, it's not authentic, but, but it's powerful couple of examples to help us. I don't see him that much anymore, but my cousin Mike has a son, Mike Jr. He's, he's in like his late 20s now and they still call him Mikey. <laughs> Mike Jr., he, he wanted to be a doctor when he was in college. He went to a state university. He was in pre-med for a good while, but then he changed his major. You know why? Not because he didn't want to be a doctor, but because he figured it out and they told him you know, he would have to, to accept certain things in a state school's of medical program. He'd have to accept the transgender you know, ideology. He'd have to study and learn about so-called sex reassignment surgeries. He'd have to learn all about contraception. He'd even have to help perform an abortion. He said, no, I'm not going to be a doctor. And I, I, I don't know whether, what other options he could have had. I know there are good Catholic doctors who do the right thing, but at least at his school and his, his situation with his parents, you know, my cousin, he decided to study a different major, yet he had to give up his dream to be a medical doctor because of this kind of politics and this kind of evil. On a more personal example, the reason I'm able to be here, I'm Father Tom Duggan, in residence, in a minute you'll understand why I was available to offer this Mass for you on this special feast day, otherwise I would not have been available. As many of you know, on June 5th, I began a new assignment as chaplain Catholic chaplain at Wake Med Hospital. I put my whole heart into my ministry, serving the sick and the dying at that, at that very big hospital. And I enjoyed it. It was hard work. Uh, over a month's time, starting in early September, over, over a month's time, there were two different Catholic families who asked me for help. They asked me for counsel on end-of-life issues because each family was facing a loved one actively dying. In particular, they wanted to know the difference between the so-called comfort care that the hospital was encouraging and what the church expects of us when we are at the the bedsides of our loved ones who are actively dying. What's the difference between comfort care, secular Ideas and what, what what the church expects of us. What I told them, and I want to, what I want you to remember is the main point is for the for the actively dying, nutrition and hydration, food and water, are never considered medicine. They're not considered an extraordinary care. And nutrition and hydration, even when it's given through a tube, cannot be withdrawn to intentionally accelerate the dying process to make someone die faster, which is what the hospital was pushing. Uh, both of these families to do, in particular the first family. But each time, you know, the first conversation I had was in person. The second conversation was on the phone. But but both times, the medical care teams learned about what I had said to these families, the fact that I was teaching what the church teaches in opposition to what the hospital wanted to happen, and I got reported. First time, I I called my hospital boss. <laughs> he called me in and he warned me don't do that again. You are, you are not to express personal opinions on ethical issues. If somebody asks you again about palliative care or anything else, you are to say, I have no opinion. I represent the hospital. You know what I said? I said, no. I'm not, i I can't do it. <laughs> and um, it's pretty nasty. There was a Catholic who needed the sacraments, and he wouldn't give me his name for a good long while. And it was back and forth and I finally got the information from him and went and visited this, this dying Catholic man, gave him the sacraments, and then continued for the next several weeks just as I had before. But nobody else asked me for help until the second family asked me for help. And it was the same thing. It was a question about end-of-life issues, Father, what do you think? And this is important. I wasn't going around fishing for these conversations. I wasn't like, I've anointed lots of people who I know are in comfort care, but nobody asks me what I think. So I just celebrate the sacraments and I leave, knowing what's going on and just praying. But in, again, the second family Father, what do you think? What, what, what does the church expect of us? And I answered the question again, in opposition to what the hospital teaches. Um, the second time I was called in, and this time I was fired. That's why I'm here, available to offer this mask, because I'm not at the hospital anymore. Pretty weird experience. I was kind of half-smiling at my hospital boss. I said, you didn't hire me. How can you fire me? <laughs> and the, the trick is, to be on staff, even as a Catholic priest, you have to be in, in this clinical training program, which was interesting. And I learned about how hospitals work. But if they don't want you in the program, you can't be on staff. So that's how they got me out. Um, on my way out the door, it was pretty emotional and, and pre- pretty heavy. I told him that this is wrong, but I also told him that, you know, this is a great moment for the church to be, to be mistreated this way, to be treated unjustly for the sake of Jesus. You know, there, um, there are plenty of other Christian chaplains on staff, and nobody else said a word in their defense because these other churches don't talk about this. It's not like they've got all these really awesome, robust catechisms that are drawing on teachings. They just don't talk about it. They, they just go along with it. So I, I don't blame the people so much as the communities that they came from. What happened to me, what happened to my cousin's son, Mike Jr., what happens to all of us, if we're faithful, maybe you, you've had similar experiences, this is called dry martyrdom. You know, nobody beat me up. I, didn't, I wasn't asked to shed a drop of blood. I lost my position. Feelings were hurt, I was frustrated, angry, but I suffered dry martyrdom, the disapproval of the world, and praise God. And when we, when, when we do suffer this kind of dry martyrdom, all of us rejoice and be glad. Jesus says, rejoice and be glad. With all the saints who help us with their prayers and example, praise God. Jesus, he predicted this. You, you will be hated because of my name, but you will be blessed as well. Amen. With complete trust in our Lord, we bring forward these, our petitions.
1: For those who approach God's altar on behalf of his church, that as they ascend the mountain of the Lord and stand in his holy place, they may always come before him with clean hands and pure hearts, we pray to the Lord. Lord, our prayer. That those who are in the positions of power and influence in the world may be peacemakers who respect the life and dignity of all the children of God. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That we may be among the poor in spirit, the gentle and merciful, the clean of heart, so that we may inherit the blessings of God's kingdom. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the grace of good vocations, especially to the priesthood, That the gospel of life and truth may be proclaimed, and the number of God's holy ones be increased. We pray to the Lord. Lord, For all who are in a period of great distress, especially those who are being persecuted for their faith, that they may remain close to the Lamb who was slain, to be made strong in his victory. We pray to the Lord. Lord, For all our beloved departed ones, Who are children of God in this life, that they may soon see God as He is, and stand before His throne with the palms of victory in their hands. We pray to the Lord. Lord,
0: Also for the attentions and protection of Pope Francis and Bishop Sarama, we pray to the Lord. Lord, We ask all these things through Christ our Lord.